to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 23rd of December 2012, entitled Relationships Surrounding Christmas, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. There is one thing that our folks like a lot about this day. It's not just the Christmas dinner that awaits us upstairs, which is always, uh, it doesn't take a lot uh, to, uh, to encourage us to fellowship around Bethel. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to encourage us to eat, uh, and especially to eat and fellowship together. And so uh, we look forward to the Christmas dinner. And if you're here today, uh, regardless of whether you knew about it or didn't know about it or whatever, you're invited. We'd love for you to stay and enjoy the, uh, the meal with us upstairs. You know, as we think about Christmas, one of the things that is most special about Christmas is family. Christmas is about relationships. Uh, now, of course, you know, some relationships in life are pretty easy, and some are very challenging. Uh, the thing is, is that relationships don't just happen by themselves, whether we're talking about husband and wife, parents and children, whether you're talking about those, those friends, those people you work with, the people you live with, we could go right through the list of all those relations. And the simple truth is, is that relationships take a bit of work. They don't just happen by themselves. It's not just something that is automatically programmed into us from birth. I've often said, you know, that man can be pretty clever sometimes. It's quite amazing. We were talking here just a few weeks ago that I guess it was at the anniversary services when we were uh, looking at uh, uh, the years that Bethel had been here since 1931 and the 22-plus years that they put up with me as their pastor. Uh, but it's amazing. It's amazing how things change even in just a 20-year period. Uh, it's amazing how that, uh, you know, I can remember back in those days, Mobile phones, what were those? <laughs> you know, nobody ever thought of anything like that. When they finally did come out, it was like uh, carrying a brick around with you that, uh, that you talked on. Then I can remember we really got classy when we had those little pagers that we had on our side. And if, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, they rang the number and it started vibrating and going off and you knew to get to a phone and call that number in return. Well, we thought we'd really arrived, you know. I can remember when I bought my first Nokia. <laughs> My first mobile phone. And you know, to start with, I thought, well, you know, it's not something that I'll use a lot, but it, it'll be nice to have. And uh, now we're in a situation where we think it's the end of the world. If we have to go out without it, how can we possibly survive a day without our telephone being with us? I can remember computers. I said just prior to that, when I was in the business world, I can honestly, folks, no exaggeration, I can remember I can remember us paying out something like $30,000 for a top-of-the-line computer. And it was one of those, they used to call them floppy disks for a reason. It's because they were about that big, five and a quarter inches to be exact, and they were floppy. <laughs> and you stuck one in, there was, there was no such thing as memory. What's that? <laughs> Your memory was that floppy disk. You put one in with the program, you put another one in for your memory, and that was it. And you swapped them out. And every time you wanted to use a different program, you got a different disk and put it in because that had a different program on it. $30,000 that was. 
That's not that long ago. <laughs> and then, boy, when we started getting these home things, I remember my first Commodore 128. <laughs> you know, you, it, was, it was uptown because the Commodore 64, before that, you had to use just the cassette tapes. Man, you could use the cassettes or the floppy disk in it. It was really moving on. We looked through the years, and I mean, they started getting outdated so fast, we went from 286 to 386s to 486s. And, you know, just by the time you, you got one and got it set up, they were already coming up with something faster. We would never have dreamed that we'd be where we are today. Time moves on. You see, the simple thing is, is that man can do wondrous things. He can do amazing things. You know, it's absolutely almost even still beyond some of our thinking what man can do with a computer that man has built with the intelligence that God gave him. But you know, somewhere around 6,000 years ago, God created something. God created something in a place called the Garden of Eden. It was called a man. He saw that man needed help, so he created a woman to be there to keep him out of trouble. <laughs> the simple truth is God could have very easily, he could have just, man, he could have built this wonderful robot that looked just like you and I. It's nothing. I mean, it's amazing. Man's almost got there now to where he can build these machines that look so human that you can hardly tell it. They're, they're still a little bit jerky in their movements. They can't move quite as smooth. But it's amazing. God could have done that. Sometimes people say, why does God do all these things? You know, why does there have to be these heavens and hells? And why does there have to be sin and not sin? If God knew we were going to sin, why did he bother making us in the first place? Well, you know, I want you to stop and think about something. You may love your computer. You may love that technology and what it will do for you. And we use that term all the time. We love this. We love our food. We, we love our cars. We love our homes. We, we love all these things. But in actual fact, you've never loved any of those things. You've never had a relationship, a true heart relationship with your computer. I hope you haven't. <laughs> Simple truth is, is that computer can't feel. It can do all kinds of wonderful things. You see, God created us for a relationship. He could have had a machine. He could have had something that would never, ever, ever make a mistake. He could have had something that in every instance, it would always choose not only the wisest for money, but the best choice that could possibly be chosen he could have programmed us that way. I have told the story before. My father-in-law is with us today. You know, when, when, when my wife and I first decided to get married, it was a roller coaster like this. It was a mind-changing thing because it wasn't just a question of having to figure out whether she wanted to spend the rest of her life with me, which was a bad enough decision. But, of course, it was a decision that was complicated many times over because she knew that in marrying me, that also meant there were going to be two countries involved then. There was going to be a lot of distance. And of course, the thing was, as you know, there was no question of our love one for another, but it would take more than just a normal amount of work to overcome these extra obstacles of thousands and thousands of miles between our families. 
And I told him, I said, you know, she said yes, and she said no, and she said yes, and she said no. That's why I'm gray-headed today. It took me that long to get married. Yes and no, but finally, she said yes. She didn't change her mind again. I think she has wished she had a few times, <laughs> but she hasn't yet. <laughs> the simple truth was, was that, you know, those, that relationship would create challenges, but it was something in the end that we both knew from the very depths of our meaning, of our being, that we loved each other and we wanted to spend the rest of our days together. And we made some commitments to each other. I told some, I said, you know, one of those, some of those times when she said no, I could have just decided to kidnap her, just chain her up and kidnap her and, and haul her off to the top of the Appalachian Mountains somewhere and, and lock her in a cabin and, and tell her, you know, you're here because I love you and I can't live without you. Would it have mattered that she didn't want to be there? Would it have mattered that she was being held there as a captive because I loved her and I couldn't live without her? I don't somehow think that our relationship would have been the same. <laughs> she had to make the same choice that I did. A relationship takes two people making a choice. Relationships take work. I, want to, I read something just literally the other day, which, uh, which I'll share with you. Relationships can also be challenging sometimes, can't they? Sometimes you think you've got problems with your family. Listen to this. Bill Baker from London, 76 years old. He'd lost his wife and he decided that he was going to get married again. And so he married this lady by the name of Edna Harvey. So Bill and Edna, they get married. The guy that Bill had met, Edna, when he met her, he met her through one of his granddaughters because it was his granddaughter's husband. Well, her mother had lost his wife. Her, his husband, Edna had lost her husband. And so these two had been introduced, they'd met, and their relationship had, had grown for that, but Lynn said, boy, did it ever, ever create confusion for me. Because when her granddad married her husband's mother, she said, now her mother-in-law was her step-grandmother. And her grandfather was now her stepfather-in-law. Her mom became her sister-in-law and her brother became her nephew. And she said, even crazier than that, she said, I'm now married to my uncle and my children are my cousins. <laughs> that was all because of those relationship ties. So you think you got it hard sometimes, back up and think about Bill and Edna. The simple truth is, I want to give you a couple of thoughts. One of the things that our people like better. I started to tell you, and I never did finish. Almost as much as Christmas dinner upstairs is that this is one of those services where they get a really short sermon from the pastor. I'm known for a lot of things in this world, but short sermons is not usually one of them. But you get a short one today, so I'm just going to give you a few simple thoughts on this matter of relationship. You know, first of all, the last reading that we heard read to us there came from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. John had a very special relationship about this one that he was riding with. Now, John was getting on in years. He was somewhere around 90 years old when he wrote this for us. And he'd been an apostle since he was a young man. 
He was one that his head had rested on the very bosom of Jesus. I mean, they had been close. John was the one that stood there by the cross and saw them crucify the one that he loved so much, be put to the most horrible death that he could possibly see. Matter of fact, he was the one that was asked there at the cross by Jesus to take care of his mom for him when he left this world. John saw the resurrected body. He, he witnessed the ascension of Jesus from this earth back into heaven. He did take care of the mother of the Lord Jesus. He witnessed a lot of things. And as he begins to write here, you know, it's funny, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we, we heard out of all those gospels the account of the first Christmas this morning. But John approaches it from a totally different perspective. The others all talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and give his lineage, and they, they talk about this birth there in Bethlehem. John goes way back before Bethlehem. Matter of fact, the very first verse in your Bible says, in the beginning. Everybody knows what the beginning point is. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You've got the beginning point. The beginning of all that is was God's creation. Well, John begins at that same beginning. In the beginning, he said, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, Word, in your Bible is a capital W. It is that word, Logos. It is speaking of God, but it's speaking of more than just a physical existence. I'm not going to give you a lecture this morning. We wouldn't be able to, to complete it anyway. But the simple truth is, is, is this thing Logos. If you would, it's more than just the presence of God in the spirit or in the flesh. It's more than just the expression of God in expressing himself through those words. It's the very action that begins all that, the whole thought process, the very beginning of everything that God is, the thought process, the expression of those thoughts, of everything that he is. The Bible says in the beginning was that God, everything that he was, and that he was God. The word, of course, here we find as we read on and as expressed, the Lord Jesus Christ, this one that came into, you see, he was born that miraculous birth in Bethlehem, which we'll look more at this evening, but that wasn't his beginning. In the beginning, he already was, the Bible says. In the beginning, he was not only with God, he was God. You see, the first thing we see here, Christmas is about relationships, and this is what I want you to remember this morning. Christmas is about relationships, and it is about our relationships. Even here as a church, that's why we do these things. That's why we're going to fellowship upstairs later. It's about families getting together and showing their love one for another and sharing that love one with another. But Christmas is about relationships that go beyond that. You see, it's about the relationship of Jesus Christ to God. You say, well, what is it saying to us here? Well, we find that Jesus Christ was in the beginning. He was with God and he was God. And if you want to really put your mind into a tailspin, try figuring out the Trinity. And even when you understand it enough to believe it, try explaining it to someone else. Father, 
Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, God, you know, one of the amazing things is, I think, to help us understand it a little better, God uses family for us to understand a lot of those things. He uses these terms like father and son. We look at us and we see that we were created in God's image and we can kind of contemplate, well, you know, we are body, soul, and spirit. Each one is just as real, but it takes all of it to make the one. There's only one God, but that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, John said later in his writing of 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, he said, for the life was manifested. It was made seen. The life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We find that in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he said in verse 5, he said, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of of the cross. There's a lot of things I'd love to tell you this morning, but as we think of Christmas, we're thinking of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, when we think of relationships, we must consider his relationship to God. Being the Son of God, but being God himself that took on flesh, that came amongst us, that humbled himself, knowing that he was coming to die for us, he came willingly because when God created that first one in the beginning, he knew that we would mess up. You see, Christmas is not only about the relationship of Jesus Christ to God, but it's about his relationship to creation itself, to everything that is, to everything that exists. That's what he said there in verse 3. Listen, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Is that hard English? <laughs> all things were made by him. And just in case you didn't get the positive, you know, the simple truth is he goes on and says, well, without him, not anything that's made would, be, would exist. We're speaking about the Jesus whose birth we're celebrating, the Jesus who was God in the flesh that came amongst us, the Jesus that was there at creation. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. The Bible talks about these mysteries, these things that God knows that he then lets us know and he opens them up to us. What was that mystery? He says, who created all things by Jesus Christ. God in his oneness 
created all things by Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's. You see, all that exists, this one whose birth that we are celebrating, when we consider his relationship to God and when we, we consider his relationship to creation, he created us. Without him was not anything made that was made. That's tough sometimes because if you begin to recognize and acknowledge that, hey, if it were not for him, you wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be here, nothing would be here. Now, I'm not going to go down this path, but we all know that there is an alternative to God putting it here. Um, it, it could have come from a cosmic soup that sat there and boiled for a few billion years, and somehow by coincidence, an accident, life come crawling out of it, this little amoeba, tadpole-like thing that eventually started sprouting legs and arms and all these things. Listen to me. That takes a lot more faith to believe. Look, look at where we are. Look at man's greatest achievement. Look at man's greatest technology that he has in his hands today that he's been able to do. And yet with everything that man is, never has man been able to bring life from nothing. Never has man been able to create life. Yet we want to think that that somehow happened by coincidence and accidents and not just a human, but everything that lives out there, every plant and every animal, it was all by coincidence. You say, how do you explain it? Well, I can explain a lot of things, but listen. First of all, you got to remember, it's all a theory. And man's looking at it and he's trying to figure out, man, that would have taken millions of years for that to happen. Well, first of all, He's trying to think that's what it would take if I remove God from the picture. <laughs> if there's no God, if there's no higher being, if there's nobody that's responsible for this, man, if that were going to happen by itself, you know how many millions and billions of years, and yet he's never seen it happen, not once. He's only guessing that it would take that long for it to happen. But then that's without God. You know, how long would it take your computer to build itself with no help, with no design, with nobody doing it, how long would it take it to build itself from nothing? It'd be like for the first time that man saw this first computer and he's trying to figure out how in the world did that thing get here and how does it do what it does? Well, you try to get your mind on some way. There's no way. Nobody was responsible for designing and it building it. It happened by itself. And then you start trying to work from that angle that nobody had anything to do with it. Well, how long would it take for this to happen and this to happen and this to happen? They're trying to find an answer to keep God out of the picture. And the only way they can do that is to say it would take so many millions and billions of years that we can't see it happening before us because it happens too slow. They also don't consider this. You know, God didn't create Adam as an infant baby laying in the jungle God created a man, a mature man. He created a mature earth that man tries to look at and say, 
Oh, how long would it took that to happen if you know, there, there couldn't have been a God? There couldn't have been anybody that did. How long would it take that to happen? Man doesn't consider a lot of things. But what I'm, Christmas is about relationships. We need to consider God's or Jesus' relationship to, to God, to the Father, and all of their oneness. We need to consider Jesus' relationship to all of creation, you and me and everything that lives. But you see, out of all of that creation, notice what he said in verse 4. In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. His relationship to you. He didn't create a computer. computer. He gave you a choice. You can either choose to sin or not to sin. You can either choose to love him or not to love him. You can't decide whether he loves you because he does love you and he proved that he loved you and everything. You know, people go back and there's this one called Jesus. We know that he was born. We know that he existed historically. We know that he was crucified. You can tell those things without the Bible, but who was he? What was his relationship to God? What was his relationship to creation? And what was his relationship to you as an individual? You see, God created you for relationship. The same John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, he says, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. People either want to ignore God they don't want to possibly think that this one, Jesus, God, that he's responsible for my existence. He's not only responsible for your existence, he created you to love you, and he wants you to love him in return. Have you ever, ever in your life had an experience, maybe it wasn't love, maybe, maybe you cared very much for someone that just did not return those feelings? not a nice thing. The thing is, you cannot change the fact that he loved you. He loved you so much that he did come in the flesh. Because right there in the garden, when we made that choice through Adam to sin, to disobey God, that's what it came down to. God said one thing and he did another. Sin entered in. And there, when sin entered, death entered. I've said this many times. I'll remind you this Christmas. The Bible says here that he came to give you life, and not just life. Oh, some of you are getting at the point that you realize as, as much as I do more every day, 70, 80, 90. My grandmother lived to be 100 years old. And, you know, when you're a youngster, that sounds like a long time. Don't sound like so long now. It's sounding less and less long all the time. Folks, it's incredible. It's incredible. At my age, at your age, if you're an adult here, and especially if you're one that is as old as me or older, boy, isn't it incredible to look back and think, wow, it sure has gone fast. It sure gone fast. You know, I told them here at Bethel, you know, 
Twenty-some years ago, they had a young pastor, brown hair. You know, he was, he was a pretty young man. He had all kinds of energy. Now they got an old man that's gray-headed. And <laughs> time goes fast. But you see, what I want you to understand is the God that created you, what Christmas is about, it's about relationships. He was God. And he was responsible for everything that was created. And he came that you might have life through him, his life. He's the way. He wants you to have not just that short life that you have here. Folks, look. Thank God people can believe what they want to believe. And there's all kinds of, of religions and everything else out there. And people will stake their eternities on something because we've all got one somewhere, somehow. Either that or, you know, this little short blink of a life, here it comes and it's gone and there's nothing else. It's pretty hopeless. If we have any hope at all, it's in the one that created us, created us more, for more than just this. And that's what he says he brought Jesus to this earth for that you might have life, that you might have it eternally, forever. Oh, there's so much I would have liked to have said and I could have said, but I want to I close with one simple question. You see, Christmas is about relationships, but God created you. What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? His whole purpose, I mean, stop and think about it. He was born that which we're celebrating right now. One of those most quoted verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, nobody can make that choice. That's why God created you as a unique individual, a unique human being. You can make your own choices and you will live and die by the choices that you make. I just want you to remember, hey, Christmas is about relationships, and boy, that's what makes Christmas special. To be quite honest, I mean, I, you know, I, I love Christmas, and I mean, I like the decorating and all that stuff, but if it weren't for the family part of it, it wouldn't be worth all the hassle and the stress. It's because why do we decorate? Why do we pass those gifts? Because we care about people. And that's what it should be about. But about the one whose birth we're celebrating, he wants relation. He came to have a relationship with you. He loves you. He's proved it. And he came to this earth. He was born as a baby in Bethlehem. So that 33 and a half years later, he could die on a cross. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's done everything because that, from that very first creation, he didn't just want a machine. He gave you a choice. He's tried to show you how much he loves you. He wants to give you the choice to love him in return. That's the choice of Christmas. <laughs> is Jesus just a baby in a manger? Or is Jesus truly the life that lives and dwells within us? that will give us life everlasting. You have that opportunity. You know, it's, it's, we can look at many things, and I've shared with our folks lately, one of the hard things many times, when your faith and hope and trust and everything is in it, one of the hardest things many times 
is that when you share that truth, then others don't want it. But that's the only way it can be. That's the only way a relationship can be is when two people choose each other. You can have Jesus today. He's already, he's already matter of fact, he's promised. He was talking to, to the church, of course, in Revelation when he, when he said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, if any man will open up, he will come in and he will sup with you. God won't reject you. He's already proved he loves you, but it's simply your choice in return. We're going to sing for our closing carol uh, again. It's a, it's a great old carol that has some great truths to it. And as we, as we look there, it, it actually asks us uh, a question. And that question is, you know, again, what are we going to do with Christ? Because the song says, Thou didst leave thy throne. Jesus, you left your throne in heaven to come here. I can tell you from the depths of my heart, I wish each and every one of you the happiest, happiest Christmas you can possibly have. But I want to share this with you, and this also comes from the very depths of my heart. Christmas is about a whole lot more. Relationships are vital. And if there's anything, anything that's important in this life, it's our relationships with one another. But there's one relationship that's not just for here. There's one relationship that's for eternity. And this Christmas ought to enjoy the greatest joy of Christmas, to understand, you know, it was a message of peace that the angels brought when he came into this world. It was a message of peace that Jesus gave to his apostles there just before he left to go back out of this world. The Bible speaks of a peace that passeth all understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> in those trials, you know, Christians are just sinners saved by grace. We don't become perfect. <laughs> Our sins are just forgiven. We're not trusting me. We're trusting Jesus. The thing is, you don't got to live like me and be like me to go to heaven. <laughs> That'll never get you there, I promise you. You got to trust in Jesus. He's the one that'll get you there. And that's, what Christmas is about, that he came so that you could have that choice. You could have that relationship. He says, I love you. You couldn't do it for yourself. I came and did it for you. I came and lived the life you couldn't. I died to pay for your sins so that you could have life everlasting and have complete forgiveness. He'll do that for you today. You know, the thing is, we're not here to make you or to coerce you or to talk you into anything. But I want to tell you this, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with that one called Jesus Christ, you don't have a personal relationship with him, that you've shown your love, that you trust him, then I'm telling you, there's nothing more important to this preacher or anybody else here today. If we can ask your questions, if we can pray with you, we can't do anything for you. But he came to do it all this Christmas. We've looked at his relationship with God with creation, with mankind. But what about his relationship with you personally? That's what it was all about.